It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on all of our social media outlets. And uh, as of this month, we are the official channel for the fan-sided network, as well as finfanatic.com. And you, as always, you can follow Paul and I on uh, Twitter. At, I'm Brian Cat NFL, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick. So we are 16 days away from the beginning of the free agency tampering period. We are 62 days away from the NFL draft. So really, Paul, after this week, the news is going to be coming fast and furious. Um, but there is a lot of talk going on out there right now, and we're going we're gonna to go through some of that, some of the rumors that have been going on, and some potential salary cap cuts as well as uh, the franchise tag players and who we feel is going to be franchised. But really taking a look at the beginning here, um, another name that not necessarily has come up for the Dolphins just in the NFL period is uh, sounds like Russell Wilson's a little bit unhappy in Seattle. It does. And the interesting thing with that is he's given a very short list of teams. Dolphins aren't one of them, so we can put that out the window right now. The interesting one there is going to be Dallas. Uh, Jerry Jones likes his flash, and if Dallas were to go after Russell Wilson, it may shake Dak Prescott free, which I know I put something out there on, on Twitter this week. I know right now, as it stands right now, Dak Prescott is likely to be franchised, but Here's my thought with Dak. Like, is he as good as Deshaun Watson? Probably not. But if you can get him either A, potentially free and clear if Russell Wilson ends up in Dallas, or B, you know, you're looking at a max trade of two first-round picks instead of, you know, whatever this ridiculous level of firsts and seconds and thirds and players and what have you. For Deshaun Watson, who, as the Texans put it this week, they are not looking to trade. Right. And it, that's an interesting scenario because basically Deshaun Watson met with David Culley and said, yeah, I'm here. I'm showing you the respect of it. Uh, by the way, I'm still not playing for you. Um, and the Texans have dug in their heels and said, we are not trading Deshaun Watson. So as of right now, it appears unlikely he's going to be traded to anyone is at least before the NFL draft. A lot could change over the next eight or nine weeks, but right now it looks like that's not an option, may not be an option for the Dolphins anyway. Um, yeah, Dak Prescott is someone that's been seeking a $40 million a year contract. The Cowboys were unwilling to give him $30 million a year before. Um, so likely he's going to be franchised. He's going to be starting for the Dallas Cowboys this year unless they pull a trade for somebody else. Um yeah, and, and Russell Wilson, I, I, I tend to think this may be a ploy on his end to say that, hey, look, uh, I want more say um, and I want more help as to who my offensive coordinator is going to be, who is on my offensive line. Um, so I expect him to stay in Seattle as well when it's all said and done. No, I wouldn't be surprised at that in any way, shape, or form. And it sounds like... Um, it sounds like that's definitely a possibility that he's open to. It's, I mean, he, he like Deshaun Watson, holds all the cards. It, it's, he's got his no trade clause, and, and really, you know, 
he's already dictated his short list by all reports. So it's very interesting. Yeah, Mark Rogers told ESPN, Mark Rogers is Russell Wilson's agent, uh, that that here was the report was from ESPN was Wilson has told the Seahawks he wants to play in Seattle, but if a trade were considered, the only teams he would go to are the Cowboys, Saints, Raiders, and Bears, which, you know, the Saints are $99 million over the cap. So I, I feel like Mark Rogers doesn't know the rest of the NFL very well. And he was kind of like, uh, uh, he, I think he had like a bunch of helmets sitting on his desk like I do. And he was like, uh, he can go to the uh, Cowboys, the uh, uh, Saints, the Raiders, and he just pulled another team out of his rear end. So I, I, I don't expect him to go anywhere. But it, it also, too, Paul, when it comes to the quarterback spot, I am a no on Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. I am a yes on Deshaun Watson, given the compensation, because the whole thing for me is I want to go forward. I want the Dolphins to go forward with Tua and build around him unless there is a scenario where Trevor Lawrence or um, Deshaun Watson are available. Obviously, that's not happening with Trevor Lawrence. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen with Deshaun Watson either, because for the next 10 years, I think these are going to be top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Russell Wilson's 33, and I I don't see Dak Prescott as a top five quarterback, maybe not even top 10 right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I would say he's a top 10 as it stands right now. Uh, He could fall off that cliff, Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to say I'm in agreement. It's I like Deshaun Watson. Um, I think he is definitely ahead of Tua right now, and he's ahead of where, you know, Tua may or may not get to. But I'm still in the camp of Tua plus some free agency you can afford because of Tua's contract, plus putting weapons around him and on the defense because you still have those draft picks. I think Mm -hmm. that trumps the one player every time for me, but I'm also huge on it's a team game uh, i'm i feel the opposite uh, about being a team game uh, i think you win with stars and then you hide the rest of your weaknesses but there are multiple ways to win uh you know i i it, what's exciting is you know presuming that two is going to be the quarterback this year yes the dolphins have a lot of resources to build around and they have the free agency. They have free agents, and they have the draft. And having four of the top fifty picks, wow, that's that, that's big. Um, moving along, so we're all under the impression that that two is going to be the quarterback this year, and and I'm happy about that. You're happy about that. Chris uh, Sims is not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, Chris Sims. Uh, what do you say? I I, I I see. I don't pay attention to most of these other guys. I don't know something about like it. it not only did he basically call to a trash, he. Um, he literally just got in a social media war with every Dolphins fan he could find yesterday, which I don't know when Chris, like, I, I don't have a problem with him having his impression of Tua, good or bad. Like, I, I honestly don't care. I mean, it's, hey, if anybody's a, a judge of bad quarterbacks, it's Chris Sims. Look at his career. But re- really, it, it's, my problem is, is, Yes, a few Dolphins fans got a little surly about it, but dude, you're gonna be a big guy in the media. You wanna put your big boy pants on? Yeah, you know, don't go after the entire fan base. Like, stop. Now, Just, I, I don't know what he specifically said about that, but um, I like Chris Sims, and that's a shame. Uh, but I, he, here, here's what he said: is 
Uh, he, he basically said Mac Jones is a better prospect than, than Tua is or was, and he sees Mac Jones going in the top 10. I think Mac Jones could go anywhere from eighth overall to the Panthers to the third round uh, yeah. as it stands right now because he has, a, to me, a more limited arm than Tua did. Uh, and and I, I, I think Tua has the ability to whip it, especially now this year oh. with a full year and the ability to step into his throws. I, I like Tua's arm more than Mac, Mac Jones's. Now, that's where you're going to disagree with Chris Sims then because he did, as Marcus pointed out in our chat, he did come out and say Tua is not a natural thrower of the football. That's nonsense. <laughs> that is, no, yeah. Knew I'd get you there. Knew I'd get you there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we don't agree on that. Uh, and he, he was straight up making personal attacks at people. Like, you know, just regular casual fans that – made any type of comment about it. And that that's where I'm like, all right, dude, enough. Just Yeah. See, I I, I see I, I feel the opposite on that too. I mean, I, I am a big proponent of big journalists or, or celebrities or known figures of any kind picking fights with regular civilians on Twitter. It's actually one of my guilty pleasures. And that's why I manage our chat. Right. <laughs> I, I see I when I wake up in the morning, I want to see stuff going down especially if I log on to Twitter. So I like that. I support Chris Sims on that. So we're, we're not going to agree on that. I, I think uh, I want to see fights when I get on Twitter. I mean, guys, if you want to make cat happy, make sure you follow him at Brian cat NFL on Twitter and pick fights with the man. No, uh, no, I, I do. I mute. I mute so many people. I, <laughs> I, I don't block them. I want, to, I want them just to talk to a brick wall uh, and they think I'm there. I think that's funny to me. See, again, all entertainment with Twitter for me. Yeah. Um, so Brian Cat NFL, <laughs> go ahead and send me, send me a message. <laughs> send Cat angry messages, guys, please. Right, mo- moving along here. Um, more talk this week, too, about, and this was from a Barry Jackson report, that the Dolphins are expected, that there is mutual interest, according to rumors, between the Dolphins and running back Aaron Jones. I know I have some opinions on this, Paul. I'm going to throw it to you first on that. Aaron Jones is going to see $15 million. I'm not paying 15 I mean, it's one of the takes I put out there on Twitter this week. All right, so the cap dropped this year, right? It dropped, what, $20 million roughly? And last year, and yes, I know Aaron Jones has this really super high yards per carry playing with Aaron Rodgers, who tends to take the focus off the running backs a little bit. But last year when it looked like Derrick Henry might shake free. I put out there, I would easily sign him for $12 million and got roasted for wanting to pay easily the best true running back in football, the guy that can take over a game by himself with nobody at quarterback, um, $12 million a year. And then some of these same people want to go and throw the farm at, at, at Aaron Jones and... He just got chased out by a rookie. There's a reason they're not resigning him because A.J. Dillon showed enough promise in, like, six games because of COVID to unseat the guy. Like, he's a good running back. Unseat unseat who? Not a $15 million a year running back. Uh, Unseat who? Uh, A.J. Dillon unseated who? They were fine with moving on because of Dillon. Yeah, they they planned uh, last year with with A.J. Dillon uh, when they drafted him in the second round. And so they 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 plan to move on from him, and and that's why I think they are. And the Packers can franchise tag him for eight million a year, and I think it would be, I'd say I think it'd be foolish of them not to. But given the amount of player stars they have on their team, 
$8 million means a lot for them. So mm-hmm. I, I do see them moving along. Now, I the, the issue I have is, and this, this uh, you know, I, I, I don't quote a lot of Dolphins beat writers just because I don't like to get into that. I actually like a lot of them, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, Armando Salguero just said something I, f- I found just egregious. Um, oh, okay. The Dolphins paid for a running back in free agency last year, traded for another veteran. It didn't work. So let's do it again. There's this thing called the draft. Now, I, I am... I would personally lean toward looking at that 36th pick and saying, hey, out of Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and Travis Etienne, one of them is going to be there. The Dolphins are going to be able to fill that spot. But how do you not know the difference between Jordan Howard and Aaron Jones? And I think people think, eh, free agent running back is a free agent running back, and that's where I disagree with a lot of adult, with, with a lot of what's being said out there. No, I, I agree with you on that. Like, and it, it's irregardless of the player. Uh, and I'd be saying the same thing if the roles were reversed. We had signed Aaron Jones, you know, a year ago for to a one-year deal, and we weren't going to be able to re-sign him this year. And we were looking at Jordan Howard, I'd, you know, and we didn't know that he was going to flame out the way he did. I'd be like, you know, okay, it's it's its own move. They're two very different people, two very different players. We need to look at it from that perspective. It's you can't just say, oh, because they signed a run. Not all running backs are the same, Mondo. Yeah, they're they're definitely not. And you, when you mentioned uh, if if he goes for fifteen million a year, I don't think he's going to go for that much personally. But um, uh, it, it's it's possible if if we get up to that about I'm not paying that. Uh, the Dolphins are certainly not paying that. Um, but you look at some of the teams who have all this cap space. I mean, the Jets have almost seventy million dollars in cap space and could free up more by cutting some players like Henry Anderson. Um, so they could uh, theoretically uh, pay him $15 million a year if they say, hey, look, that's that's a star at running back. We haven't done well at running back, and we want to get that guy. That I, At that point, without question, I would be out if I'm the Dolphins at $15 million a year. I would too, and, and I know you mentioned the 36 pick. If multiple running backs they like are still on the board at 36, I'd still wait. Like, it's, I mean, for me, I know he had a bad senior bowl week, but I'm looking at it where you've still got guys like Kylan Hill, Ramondre Stevenson, who I, I really do like, even though, like I said, he had a bad senior bowl week. Um, you've got a lot of guys as you move through the draft that can come in and, and have an impact. And, oh, yeah, at worst, you've still got Miles Gaskin and Savan Ahmed. So... I'm yeah, not dr- dying here. I I think that's important. The Dolphins get the running back spot right this year, and because I I think look, Miles Gaskin played well when he was on the field, but he got he did get nicked up a lot throughout the year too. And he does to me, he doesn't have the body to hold up for 300 touches a year. And I, I don't think that'd be smart anyway. But going back to Aaron Jones, the reason I say he's a star and why he's different is. You know, you, you mentioned that the Packers running backs, um, you know, and playing with Aaron Jones and playing with that offensive line. Yeah, that's true, but it doesn't really match up with, with the numbers. Since since Aaron Jones got to Green Bay in, in 2017, he's averaging 5.17 yards a carry. That's fourth in NFL history for running backs that have over 650 carries. Um, the rest of the Packers running backs, 
in that same span are averaging 4.03 yards a carry. So Aaron Jones is averaging almost 1.2 yards a carry better than the rest of any other Packers running back on the roster, even though he's a focal point on that. And in addition to that, it's it's quite tempting that the Dolphins could sign Aaron Jones if that's if, if, they're, if they're doing that. And now you got Miles Gaskin as probably one of the best backup running backs in the league, and you don't have to spend presumably a second round pick at running back. That's the tempting part of it. Yeah, no, Gaskin. For me, Gaskin's one of the best platoon running backs in the NFL. You just can't overuse him, and. I would love, 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 love to see them be in a situation where they can split up those carries. And if they're going to do so, I, I want a bruiser, man. I, I want a bruiser. You know, uh, you know, AJ Dillon's thighs, which had had their own, ended up with their own account out there because they're freaking the size of my waist, and I'm not a little man. Uh, you know, it, it's Derrick Henry. There's a reason I drool over those guys because those are the guys. When you get a lead and you want to run the ball down somebody's throat, you need a big, durable, hulking back that can ram into people and run people over and occasionally break one loose. And that's what I want. I uh, I don't disagree. I, I, I don't think that's the direction the Dolphins are going to go in. I think they're looking for somebody who can get upfield quickly and that – is so they can run really the spread them wide fast offense. Um, that that's what I think is going to happen. I don't think overall they're going to go come away with Aaron Jones. If I had to guess, a team like the Jets who have so much more money than the Dolphins and need to get stars and free agency, eh, he's going to go to one of those teams. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, hey, I Paul, I will go, go say ahead. real quick, I wouldn't be shocked though if they came away with like a Carlos Hyde or somebody in that area. Uh, it, it's, And that's not me drooling over him like I did in the draft. I, I couldn't have predicted his injury history. Uh, but, you know, somebody else that can maybe go into that platoon that they see being effective in that platoon that could also, you know, hold up given the, the lower carry volume. That's quite possible. I Personally, I, I want to stay away from the veteran what you see is what you get running backs that are out there in free agency, like Hyde, like Todd Gurley, like Leonard Fournette, um, James Conner. I would stay away from all these backs because I think you may get yourself into a Jordan Howard situation again where, okay, you gave this guy three and a half million a year, but you didn't solve anything. You still can't run the ball. Um, But they've got to get somebody here. And and that's why Jones again is enticing because you get a star, you get a top five player and you're not backing yourself into a corner. I'm typically not a fan of signing running backs to their second contract, but the difference with Aaron Jones compared to some of these other previous free agent running backs is he has only 782 touches in his career. The, the other high priced running backs over the last few off seasons, like Ingram and Gurley and Melvin Gordon, um, have had over 1,300 touches in their NFL career. So I, I I view Jones as a running back that's still on the rise, not one that's plateaued or declining like some of these other backs that have hit free agency. So I, I'd agree with that. And, and, and real quick before we move on here, guys, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe. I, I really appreciate all the folks that have been leaving the reviews out on iTunes lately. That is hugely helpful for us. Uh, make sure you guys comment. You know, Let us know what you're thinking here. Absolutely. So uh, taking a look here at 
the franchise tag and it's going to have an impact on free agency. So basically uh, nobody has been franchise tagged yet uh, unless it's, it's happened since the start of the show, but we have a pretty good feeling about who kind of the locks are. Uh, and all these teams have until March 9th to apply that franchise tag. And usually teams wait until the last minute because they try to work out long-term deals um, or use it as kind of a last resort. So, you know, Paul, based on what I'm hearing, I see six players that I say very comfortably are not going to be on the market. They're going to be franchise tag, maybe tagged and traded, but overall quarterback deck Prescott for the Cowboys wide receiver, Allen Robinson bears wide receiver, Kenny Galladay lions wide receiver, Chris Godwin bucks offensive tackle tackle Taylor Moton from the Panthers and safety, Justin Simmons from the Broncos. Uh, are we in agreement on those six? Yes, the only caveat I have there is if Jerry Jones gets flashy syndrome and manages to make a move for Russell Wilson, we could potentially see Dak shake free, even though that's unlikely. Yeah, I, I'd say very unlikely on that, too. Um, then there are some other uh, – the, the next wave here, I'd say, are likely players to, to get franchise tag, based on what I've heard last. I, I, I don't see the whole list being tagged but I, I see the majority of them if not all of them hunter henry tight end from the chargers janu smith the tight end from the titans guard brandon Scherf from the red from washington pass rusher carl lawson from the bengals which i i was very surprised to hear that that's probably going to happen linebacker edge player hassan reddick for the cardinals who had double digit sacks this past year as well as safety marcus may for the jets so anybody from that list strike you and and you know if 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 they're not tagged that maybe the dolphins might have some interest in yeah no i'm I'm with you there um sorry i was reading a thing in the chat no 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 you're fine i i say that out of this list here too i don't see the dolphins going after any of these players that i just no. listed uh marcus may if he's not tagged which is possible but i i, I just don't see it happening because you're gonna end up paying him probably as much or more i mean almost as much as xavian howard because he's going to be one of the younger, talented, high-priced free agents. I, I see him now. He wouldn't get fifteen million a year, but I'd say he'd get at least ten. So, oh, easily. I, yeah. I'd say at least twelve, uh, unless he's got a poor agent. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got you've got the unlike uh, guys that could get tagged but are unlikely, and that's Aaron Jones, who we talked about, offensive tackle Trent Williams from the Niners, defensive tackle Leonard Williams from the Giants, cornerback William Jackson from the Bengals. It would probably be between Jackson and Lawson. And then safety, John Johnson from the Rams. So those are the that's kind of the locks, the likely and the unlikely. And how this impacts free agency is if we take Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin off the board, that really does dwindle down the wide receiver free agency class. It does. And, you know, it, it's a lot of those guys are ones that I know we've talked about on here a few times. And pointed out saying that we we do expect them to get franchise tagged um it, it it's it's not a huge shock to me the good part about that is i really expect the dolphins to be in a, and i've said this already surgical in free agency not just the you know buy sell buy sell buy sell um cartoon characters that they've been at times in the past um it, it's i don't expect them to overpay for anybody I don't expect them to just drool over somebody to the point where they have to get them. Um, I think they're only going to grab the right guy at the right price that's the right fit. 
and a lot of times that's not going to be the guy at the top of the of the class uh given the fact that the draft is so wide receiver rich this year i don't see them overpaying for a receiver i see them more signing somebody if they're willing to buy in on the system and possibly take a little less to come to miami uh, where you know less is more because of the tax issues, but in reality, I I would not be shocked if any move they make is not some huge flashy splashy move. I am a fan of the flashy splashy move. I would rather pull the resources together to sign one guy, but I think they will go in the direction that that you laid out there. They're going to be more surgical. They're going to look for fits. Their pro, I mean, last offseason they signed Byron Jones to a giant contract, and they were able to find fits after that. Um, but they had so much money to spend. They they gave up you know almost two hundred million dollars in contracts last year. That's not the case this year. They're going to have to be a little bit more strategic. So, given what you said there, Paul, that I think then when you look at free agency, the top to the top receivers out there, you're going to be looking at Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller. Juju Smith-Schuster, Corey Davis, and these guys, if they go to the right team, I mean, like, for example, um, the Patriots have over $60 million in cap room. The Washington has $38 million. These team are, teams are in need of, of receivers. And if they hit the market, even in an in a offseason like this, I can comfortably see them getting between 15 and $18 million a year. It's possible, and the one guy I know I've talked, well, we'll get to it. Right? We'll get to it. We'll get to no, it. No, go for it. Yeah, well, I, I, I already know what you're going to say is, um, yeah, you, we talked about that second tier, and I was going to bring that up next is Marvin Jones, Nelson Aguilar, Josh Reynolds, Keelan Cole, that group. So if I had to guess, that's the type of group I think the Dolphins are going to end up going after. So they can head into the draft and say, look, we've already got Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki. We've got a solid number three option, too, that we signed in free agency. Now, if we have the option to take a receiver at three, trade down to get a receiver in that six to nine range, or if we see best player availables avail, uh, you know, that aren't receivers, we can take them and maybe wait till the second round because the receiver class is so deep. Yeah, and so... There, there, there's a few things to unpack in what you just said. Yeah, I, I threw a lot at you there. For, first off, of that tier, the one I'm staring squarely at is Marvin Jones. It's Yes, he can be a bit of a one-trick pony at times, but the kid balls out. Uh, the kid is, I believe, the only wide receiver in the NFL that has nine-plus touchdowns each of the last two seasons, um, and that's in a pretty piss-poor offense. So... He could be somebody that comes in, especially if you draft the right way, that's going to be facing a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups, and he's going to win those one-on-one -on -one matchups. Um, and that's and he's not going to cost what some of these top-tier guys are. And I love Curtis Samuel, don't get me wrong. Uh, I do not want Juju Smith-Schuster, period. He's not he's not my, uh, my flavor of uh, receiver. But... Looking at the draft, one of the things, and, and this is one of those hills I'll, I'll, I'll proudly stand on and, and flag my arms around and, and you know say no matter what, what anybody thinks here, and, and I know a few of our listeners in chat are talking about it right now. I know I'm a Micah Parsons fan, but as we've talked about extensively already this offseason, 1A and 1B for me are Parsons and Pitts. 
And the thing I love about Pitts is the fact that you can slide Gasicki to that big slot where he is a mismatch nightmare, and you've got Pitts in there, so at tight end, who can block and can also run every route on the planet. People have asked about his hands in chat. His hands are freaking amazing. I think your comparison to him was Megatron, but it's Megatron that can block. Um, and, and that, that was Chris Kaufman's. I said Plexigo Burris. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. But uh, anyway, I, I, it, I jumped on his thread. But yeah, I just want to clarify that. That yeah, yeah no, yeah. that's uh, it's and drafting Pitts is the one move in the top ten for Miami above all the others that improves the wide receiver core the most. It's what people forget about the wide receiver core is it is tr- more than any other position about creating mismatches and being able to move Gasicki all over the formation, being able to move Pitts all over the formation, being able to move guys around with that as, as part of it is truly going to put a defense on its heels where if they're not moving with these guys in some form of man, they're going to end, you're going to be able to dictate your matchups and you can create some crazy good matchups with guys like Pitts and Gasicki as well as Lynn Bowden Jr., Devontae Parker, and I hate to say it, but your red zone offense with at least three trees out there on the field is going to look pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I think that to dig into what you said there is Curtis Samuel is probably, I, I think he'll get a lot because it, yeah. look, players that are 24 years old on free agency who just came off their best year, who were former high draft picks, who was a second rounder for the Panthers, were versatile. These guys tend to get a lot in free. I, I'm going to, I would predict Curtis Samuel gets 18 million a year in free agency. That might sound crazy, but that, that would be my prediction. And I don't think the Dolphins are going to pay that. And in addition to that, you know, I, I believe strongly, too, that it, it might sound good if you're playing Madden to have four number four or five number one receivers and dictate matchups that way. And maybe it, maybe it can work if you get if you get the right coach. Maybe Flores can help pull that off. But receiver is a selfish man's position. I don't see any of those receivers being fine, being part of a great receiving core, but getting six or seven hundred yards a year. That's. That's my concern about it. So I, I do think that it makes a lot of sense to look at the Marvin Joneses, the Nelson Aguilars, Keelan Cole, Josh Reynolds, these types of guys who may, I mean, I think Jones will probably get nine or 10 million a year, but yeah, and, maybe, maybe and some could get five. Re- you know? Real quick on what you just said. It's if the guys we've talked about already get franchised, like you, like you mentioned, right? And Curtis Samuel is sitting there almost by himself in that top tier. He's very likely to get overpaid. Very likely because he's so much far further ahead of anybody behind him and an ascending talent. Um, but it, it's so, yeah, no, and, and, and yes, it does sound great to have every number one on the planet. But like you said, it's not Madden and we can't turn the salary cap off. The Saints managed to for years and look where that got them. They're what? They're almost as much over the cap as the cap is this year. So. Yeah, one one quick question that's coming from the chat cat um, is <laughs> chat cat um, <laughs> is uh, people are going back and forth about Pitts and whether or not to draft him at three. For me, the ideal scenario is to trade down a couple spots and still be able to snag him. But all things being equal, 
if they stood pat at three. I'm going to tell you, I, I'd be comfortable drafting Pitts even though I'd want to do it back a little bit. Where do you stand on that? I think you might have to because if you fall back, uh, I'm I'm not convinced that the Eagles at six or the Lions at seven wouldn't take him um, because I, I think teams can look at him. I know the Lions have Hawkinson, the Eagles have Goddard, but again, Pitts is – Viewed as a, it could be viewed by teams as a tight end and wide receiver. Not to mention the Eagles are going to cut Zach Ertz and could have room in that two tight end formation for for Pitt. So I don't. If you trade down considerably, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna have a shot at him. As far as what I would do, my three options as we sit here today, um, my two my top two options by far, staying pat at three and taking Penisul. Uh Number two, trading down and coming away with at least. Trading down and staying in the top 10 and coming away with at least a 2022 first rounder from the team that's trading up. My third option would be taking Pitts at three. Um, but there's a clear distance between my first option, which is Sewell, my, and my first two options, Sewell and the trade down, and my third one, which would be Pitts. Yeah, no, it's it's. I'm with you on that. I know not everybody's on board with it. It feels very weird to say let's take a tight end at three. It, it completely does. But the kid is that good, and what he does not only to the receiving core but also to your blocking up front, um, in 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 creating mismatches for the offense is it can't be overlooked. Um, for me, it, it's gonna stay one A one B for me with with Pitts and Parsons, and I just hope it's somewhere around five to eight and you take whichever one's left and build from there um it's right like you said i want that extra first rounder next year i love 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 an extra second rounder this year i i think that second rounder really gives miami a chance to get a lot of the guys that I, i'm truly infatuated with because of what i think they can do for this team and and guys make sure you're liking and subscribing Very, really appreciate it leave some reviews out on itunes or wherever you listen to the show um, thank yeah, you guys again. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, everyone. And uh, looking at, you know, the, just kind of the draft, how it is, is, is I typically when, when you pick third overall, it, any team, and, and I think the Dolphins would be the same, is they've usually got their guy locked in that they want. Um, but I hope they don't. I, I hope they aren't locked into that guy. I, I hope they say, look, there are eight to ten or great players in this draft if we fall down we get an extra first rounder i mean first rounder next year and another pick we feel comfortable taking who's there whether that is micah parsons jalen waddle jamar chase Devonte pitt Devonte smith kyle pitts one of those guys is going to be there if you trade down to eight and the most popular trade down i've seen mocked um is the dolphins fall from three to eight they get a third rounder this year and a first rounder next year. And I think that is really the appropriate compensation because it seems like the Panthers are determined to get a quarterback this year, whether it's in the draft or free agency. It does. And, you know, I, I've seen that one. Uh, the one I end up going to a lot is the Eagles at six. Um, but, again, it's it's very weird because – if there's that, depending on what the Jets do, um, is going to dictate who the trade partners are. Because I could even see a scenario where if Penny Sewell is still on the board, you see the Bengals start running to the phones 
to to try to move up because at the end of the day, Joe Burrow looked like everything I thought he would for them, um, including that tough guy when he got hit a, a damn near record amount uh, in the backfield, and they need to do something about that. The Bengals, if nothing else, need to draft about three or four offensive linemen uh, or get three or four offensive linemen between free agency and the draft that can come in and start right away. Uh, they, I could see uh, – yeah, I, I agree with you, and I could see – where the Bengals would be sitting there at five and thinking, okay, uh, we got to trade up for three with the Dolphins because if he falls to four with with the Falcons, that new regime isn't married to Jake Matthews and, and Caleb McGarry, who are their tackles, who were previous first round picks, and the Falcons very likely could could say, okay, Sewell's we're staying with Matt Ryan and Panay Sewell is the best player on the board, and we need to get ahead of the Falcons in order to make sure that happens. So. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I think there's there are so many trade down options here, and I, I typically don't like planning for that. But this is a little bit different. the 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 meat of the draft in that five to ten area is receiver. It's by far the Dolphins' top need. Chris Greer likes to stockpile draft picks, so absolutely, I'm 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 with you on that. Um, so we we'll talk about the draft a lot here in the upcoming weeks. Any any final thoughts on that ball? No, but it's before we move on to the cap casualty stuff, because I know we're going to talk about that. Uh, just looking at the rest of free agency after the franchise tag piece, um, I'm still, and it, it, it's been humorous to me this week to see all these articles where people are like, oh, Tyrod Taylor would be great for the Dolphins. We've been talking about that for months here. Tyrod Taylor would be a great fit. Uh, Fitzpatrick has indicated he's moving on, which we all expected. Uh Tyrod Taylor or Jacoby Brissett would be a great fit to come in and be the backup to Tua. They're guys that can step in and start a few games. Uh, one name that that kind of floated out at me um, in the running back market is Jarek McKinnon. I know he had the big ACL injury, but he was lethal before the injury. He averages four yards per carry in his career. He's a receiving threat out of the backfield, and you may be able to get him on an inexpensive prove-it contract uh, he was the better running back there, and the reason why the, the 49ers were able to move on from Breda, uh, it, it's, they just didn't have room. And, and McKinnon looked decent last year, and if he continues to improve from his rehab, he was out of football for two years and still came in and averaged almost four yards per carry. Um, I, he might be worth a shot, and he might be willing to come in on one of those deals that's a little more cap-friendly this year, and you can kind of kick that can down the road. Uh, at wide receiver, I'd flirt with Corey Davis and John Ross. I, I like to get somebody in here that can take the top off of defense just because that helps your running back room. And then I've gotten on the Lindsley train. I really okay. have. It's what's that? Okay. Okay. I, I, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, we can, we can chat, chat about that real quick, but I, I cut you off there. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's, it's, and then at linebacker, obviously, um, I've said it before, but Nick Vigil for depth. Um, and not a big contract, and Vince Beagle. I'd, I'd like to see if Beagle can come in. Twitter stupidity aside, if he can come back in and build off of what he started to show uh, the year prior because he was starting to look pretty damn good rushing the passer in this defense, and you know it, it could fill a need for us. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, the Lindsley thing, you know what? You If you manage to sign Lindsley – and go out and get Quinn Miners. I am good with our line as it stands. Um, and you know, I know a lot of people want to kick Hunt into guard. I don't think the Dolphins want it. People wanted Hunt to play guard last year, 
and there was no indication from the Dolphins. The Dolphins were more willing to put Jesse Davis at guard than they were Robert Hunt. It's He is going to be out there on that right tackle island for another year or two, seeing how he can develop, and only if he falls on his face over the next year or two is he going to kick inside. I yeah, think we can I, all get off that hill. I'm with you on that, and I think they'll keep Robert Hunt at right tackle, and that's why if if the Dolphins do draft Panay Sewell, my hope is that they kick Austin Jackson inside to guard, where I think he is a better fit based on his skill set. My biggest thing with Jackson is that uh, it's a big one for left tackle. It's really the only one is that he whiffs way too often in pass protection out there on an island, and there there are some just humorous clips of that. If, mm-hmm. if you look at the game film, that that's a huge problem. You move him inside, he's 6'5", 320, he's got the size, he's nasty, he's athletic, and he's not going to be out there on that island. I think he would be a phenomenal left guard taking over for Eric Flowers in 2022. If you can teach him to snap, I think he'd be even better at center. He could, he could. It, and he said he's willing to play any other position on the line. And that's, that is, that's to me, that, that was the biggest advantage of drafting Austin Jackson is is his positional versatility because I think he could line up somewhere and be a really good player. I just don't know if it's at left tackle long term. But if it comes down to it, I'm fine with them staying with Jackson at left tackle and developing him. I'd rather do that than get down to pick 18 and say, well, let's draft Christian Darasaw. That that wouldn't make sense to me. But anyway, Paul, um, looking at some of the possible free agent cuts, we're not going to go through this whole list. And I don't know that the Dolphins are going to look at many of these players because it requires, you know, most of these guys are going to be, you know, late twenties, early thirties kind of rentals. And maybe the Dolphins aren't there. They're more about resigning their own guys, but a couple of names here did, uh, did, did jump out at me. And, and I think the bills are going to, are going to cut a few players like defensive tackle quest Quentin Jefferson, who could be a rotational piece for the dolphins center, Mitch Morse, who's only 29, who's a good player, but the bills can save 5 million by cutting him. And if we're looking at that receiver group, um, John Brown, 31 years old and, but was a really a thousand yard receiver for the bills. The last time he played a full season. So you've got him, there is a chance Brandon Cooks gets cut. I think they might end up making a decision to cut either cut Cooks or not franchise Fuller. I think they're going to end up not franchising Fuller and, and keeping Cooks as their top guy. On the defensive side of the ball, Brandon Williams, even though he's 32, would be a mountain at nose tackle and give the Dolphins a lot more depth for their run defense where they were kind of middle of the pack this year. Jalen Smith would be interesting because he had a terrible – season last year for for the Cowboys but you know when the entire defense played this badly you you tend to think that it might be an ecosystem thing as opposed to a you know a a player whose skills are declining because Jalen Smith is in the should be in the prime of his career right now and if you can get him to come back you may have you might have a really good linebacker for the next couple of years here I'd agree with you um it's I'm torn, and, and this is one of the things I hate about free agency before the draft. And I'd be saying it about the draft being before free agency if it was if it was reversed. Is you know, I like Jalen Smith. If we whiff on everybody ahead of Chaz Surratt, it, it's I'd prefer having one of those guys out there. But if you go out and you sign Jalen, it 
puts you in a weird position as far as drafting a linebacker at that point that you think is going to step in and start, unless Jalen's there on a prove-it deal and you want to develop one of those guys um, over that year. But it, it's, for me, when I look at some of these cap casualties you mentioned, if you don't go after Tyrod or Brissett, I would flirt with the idea of Mariota or Alex Smith. I wouldn't hate them coming in and being the backup as, as someone that can come in and win a game or two if needed but not good enough that people are going to clamor hand over fist for them ahead of Tua. So, uh, Paul, I'm, I'm hate to cut you off there, but Mariota, there's talk about him getting traded, um, and if not, getting released. Uh, and I, would you pay Mariota $10 million a year? I'd pay Mariota $6 million with incentives a year. Oh, okay, wow. I, I wouldn't go that high for a backup quarterback, but that's that's interesting. Um, keep keep going. Um. Another guy that I, I look at that I'm surprised I haven't heard a lot of folks mention if he is indeed cut is Jamison Crowder. Uh, he's 28. He's got, uh, you know, and, and we'll, we'll round up a little bit, but we'll call it 60-plus catches for 600 to 850 yards a season almost every year uh, in, in pretty bad offenses between Washington, the Jets, you name it. He's a guy Dolphins fans are very familiar with because he's almost beat us a few times almost on his own. Um, and, and he could, in a good offense where there's a team around him and there's an offensive line protecting the quarterback for once, he could go off. He could be one of those potential hit-that-next-tier guys, and he's not an old man yet. He's right in the prime of his career. Uh, outside of that, at at edge, I'd f- Derek Barnett's somebody I'd look at for a prove-it deal, um, but I'd prefer the draft or free agency there still. Um, and Jerron Reed is a different approach at defensive tackle. I, I, I can't figure out what he's going to get a year. Uh, but at 6'3", 300-plus pounds, he's a guy that can really push the pocket. Uh, two of the last three years, he had 6.5 and 10.5 and sacks. Uh, and he might be somebody that could come in and be an impact player in that in that rotation on the defensive line. Yeah, I think that's a good list you have there. And, yeah, Jerron Reed, like you said, I mean, we love Raquan Davis and, and Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer, but they're, they tend to be run only, run defense only, push the pocket types of guys where, you know, Reed, you know, his, his 10 sacks may have been an outlier for his career, but he can certainly get to the quarterback a lot better than some of the defensive tackles on the Dolphins roster. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I think that's a good list. And uh, one last guy, a cornerback, uh, Justin Coleman for the Lions. I, I felt when he was with the Seahawks, his career was getting better and better, and then he went to the Lions where careers go to die, especially cornerbacks. So um, he's going to bite could... the kneecaps off. Yeah. <laughs> At 28, I, I he's somebody I, I think could have some meat left on the bone. Um, yeah, so – not all those guys are going to get cut, but we are going to see some cap casualties. And uh, Randy Mueller, the Dolphins' former general manager, predicted we're going to see an epic amount or historic amount, whatever he said, uh, of, of cap casualties this year because the cap is set at $180 because we weren't – in previous years, nobody thought that, you know, this COVID-19 thing was going to happen. So that's dragged the salary cap down. They need to make more room there. So that's – uh. We've covered a lot here, Paul. Anything else jump out here from the chat? I know you've got a closer eye on it than I do. Um, let me take a look here. I know uh, Scummy's made some good points, uh, which, you know, of course, as I say it, he put, points something out about his ex-girlfriend. But, you know, it's... <laughs> um, Jason Stamps. I do like Charles Snowden. He would be interesting in this defense. 
and he's somebody that Miami could grab later on in the draft. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Snowden, Cap? I've, I'm going to pass on that for now. I've I've seen a few clips. It uh, looks pretty impressive, but I I'm I've, I've got more work to do on him. Um, late round value. Jason Stamps listed Dedrick Mills at running back, T.J. Vasher at wide receiver, and Tommy Doyle at tackle in the sixth, seventh round steals. I do. I like Tommy Doyle. He's a guy that could come in and really surprise some people on this roster. Um, what about you from any of those, Cat? Vasher is a good contested catch guy. I wonder if the Dolphins need another one of those. Um, I, I don't know if he brings a lot else to the table right now because uh, he's a little bit raw. So um, he, he's the one I've seen the most of. But uh, I, I, overall, I probably pass. But, hey, when, when we get into the late rounds, um, you know, that's that's something worth considering. And then somebody asked if Pitts is a capable blocker. I will tell you. He shocked me looking at his tape at how well he blocks. Um, is he anybody that's a candidate to put on some weight and kick in the tackle? Hell no. But as far as a receiving threat tight end goes, he is a very solid blocker out there that could be an asset in the run game. Uh, any further thoughts on that, Cat? Yeah, I, I think he just needs to be good enough. And if he's moving out and being that big slot, then he can – He's certainly good enough in that role to do it. So, yeah, I, I he's going to make his money catching the football, and he's good enough blocking. So that's his blocking is really not a concern for me. And, yeah, I came away a lot more impressed than I thought I would be uh, watching him block, especially in line. So a lot of versatility there. Um, Paul, that's going to do it for our, our show here, uh, unless there's anything else that uh, that jumps out for you. One more, and this is actually specifically for you. And before I get to that, guys, make sure you are liking. Make sure you guys are subscribing. Give us some reviews out on, on, on iTunes. It's helping us out. I love the fact that we've seen a lot of you do that so far. Um, for you, Kat, this is specifically for you. Since I, I, I said nice things about him, he doesn't want to ask me a question. Um, Scummy would like to know what your dream first-rounders are this year as far as Miami's picks. So uh, depending on the context, if, if you're saying who, who are my dream guys to take if we stay at three and 18 I'll, I'll take it from that point sure mine would be Panay Sewell the tackle from Oregon and uh Gregory Rousseau the defensive end from Miami those would be my two guys because I feel that at those spots you would have a unique opportunity to draft those guys um and yeah I know you need a running back I know you need a receiver but in that situation I feel comfortable enough getting a running back at 36 and getting a wide receiver like an Elijah Moore um or somebody kind of in that range at 50. Cool. I think that does it on uh, on the questions from chat for right now. Good. So that is going to do it for our look at the, the franchise tag players as well as some possible cap cuts here. Be sure to follow us here on all of our social media outlets. We are the new exclusive channel here for the Fansided Network as well as Fin Fanatic. We appreciate everyone tuning in here. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fence side.